Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times with a very special NXT TakeOver 30 Ultimate Preview Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, this week with the other show, AEW, pushed off until Saturday, we are 100% focused on NXT as it presents the 30th edition of its major event series on Saturday, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. And as you saw Wednesday night, NXT is giving us an absolutely massive card for TakeOver 30, and there's a chance it gets even bigger before the show actually kicks off. We are going to break down every single storyline, match, and prediction that the Silver King has for the show by the time this episode of Getting Over is out. Included with that, we will be having a special guest join us, none other than the Limitless One, the NXT champion, Keith Lee stopping by for a 20-minute exclusive interview. He's going to break down his entire last 10 months, the incredible success he's had, not only in NXT, but also on the main roster. His appearance at Survivor Series, what he accomplished at the Royal Rumble going face-to-face with Brock Lesnar, and he's even going to take us inside his decision to share his life journey about the Black Lives Matter and hashtag speaking out movements. An absolutely great interview with Keith Lee. I cannot wait for you to hear. As always, every edition of Getting Over tells you what is going to happen on the show. In our description, there are timestamps for every single segment. We are going to open today's show talking about the NXT TV show on Wednesday night, things that happened on the show that are not going to be impacting TakeOver 30. Then we're going to roll into our NXT TakeOver 30 ultimate preview, and we are going to crown this episode with our exclusive interview with Keith Lee. So be sure to listen to this entire show. But before you do, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and review. Let us know how much you love this show. Every single time you leave a review, or every single person, I should say, who leaves a review for the Getting Over podcast, helps our ratings, helps our rankings, and boosts us up in front of more eyeballs. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And if you feel like following me personally, you can do that as well at Silverstein Adam. One more reminder before we get into today's show, we will have instant analysis of WWE SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 30 Sunday night as soon as SummerSlam is off the air. If you missed it, we already taped and aired our SummerSlam Ultimate Preview on Tuesday, so hit up the archives of the show and be sure to listen to a full breakdown of the 2020 SummerSlam card. Okay, enough wasting time. We're going to get right into it. We're going to break down everything that happened in NXT on Wednesday night and then move in to our NXT TakeOver 30 Ultimate Preview. There isn't much that happened, despite it being a two-hour show on Wednesday night that is not going to be featured in TakeOver. We did get a little bit of a nice change of pace from a storytelling perspective, with Tegan Knox deciding she's going to go ahead and talk to Candice LeRae over some wine, as opposed to immediately react to her promo last week that basically trashed Tegan Knox as another false friend. If they're looking to extend this feud for a bit, and with neither of them currently in the NXT title picture, it does make sense for them to try a couple different things before they ultimately have a big match. When that time comes, though, 
it probably should be Candice LeRae going over and possibly becoming the next challenger for Io Shirai, assuming she defends the title at TakeOver 30 on Saturday night. Sticking with the women, you saw Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart defeat the Robert Stone brand of Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez. This was a surprisingly good match. Not surprising because of the talent involved. The women are all incredibly talented. I just didn't know that they'd give it as much time and as much storyline as they ultimately did on Wednesday night. The build to this eventual Rhea Ripley-Mercedes Martinez match is going exceedingly well. That Ripley powerbomb of Martinez off the ring apron over the barricade onto the concrete floor was sick. And it made sense because of that happening for the stronger faces to win, considering Aaliyah can basically always take a pinfall. Also, considering NXT is staying in full sale and they're not going to be part of the WWE Thunderdome. Welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. It would actually be pretty funny if they did like a chalk outline of Mercedes Martinez's body and left it on the concrete floor for like the next three months. That would be pretty great. Uh, Before we get to the TakeOver 30 preview, I do have some DM slides. There are going to be some of your DMs and your questions littered throughout the show. So obviously listen for the sound effect and we will get to it. First one coming from Sean McDermott at I'm Board Brother. He says, I don't think it's been mentioned, but what are your thoughts on them swapping out Tom Phillips for Vic Joseph? It's a good question. Look, first and foremost, I want Nigel McGuinness back. I know he's stuck in the United Kingdom. He's not able to you know, be on the show, but that trio of Morrow and Nigel, I mean, the duo in particular, but those two plus Beth Phoenix, it's really a great commentary trio. Not having him, NXT really has lacked a little something in the commentary department. Tom Phillips, I felt, look, he did a fine job. They're trying to do something where there's one person on commentary in attendance in Orlando, and then Morrow and Beth Phoenix are both taping from their homes. That's difficult to do. I don't know that Tom had the best flow with Morrow and Beth, but I also don't think that's his fault. I think he does a really good job on Raw. The fact that Vic Joseph really, after he got pushed off Raw, didn't have much else to do, I love that he's getting this opportunity on NXT. And I thought over the last two weeks, he has gelled with Mauro Ronaldo and Beth Phoenix a little bit better than Tom did. So I think it's an upgrade, but that doesn't mean anything negative towards Tom. It's just Vic, I think it's a, they're more kindred spirits, Vic and Mauro Ronaldo. And I think they work really well together. We also have another DM slide from Black Saber Jr. at underscore Black Saber Jr. He asks, would you rather see NXT talent trickle up throughout the year or only during a draft slash raw after WrestleMania scenario? I think there's occasions where if you want to have NXT talent trickle up, it can make sense given special circumstances. Someone, you know, there was the situation, for example, where Raw was down a lot of talent as this pandemic began and they felt they needed to bring up Angel Garza to fill a hole. So they did that. That was successful. But I don't want it to be a deal where they just randomly debut superstars over the course of the year because NXT is no longer a true developmental only brand. It is a third WWE brand. So I feel like it should be treated as such. There is going to be another WWE draft coming later this fall or early this winter, sometime probably October, November before Survivor Series. So when that happens, I would like to see a massive shift of talent then. And similarly, uh, in the Raw after WrestleMania, SmackDown after WrestleMania scenarios, I'm okay with them using those to debut new talents. But Something like Matt Riddle debuting on SmackDown, I was really excited for it. But at the same time, 
I kind of would have preferred that to happen in a draft scenario. Uh, he's been doing well. He's won a bunch of matches. He lost his Intercontinental title match, obviously. But has he actually moved the needle or done something significant for SmackDown that they wouldn't have been able to do without him? I don't know that that's the case. They probably could have used someone else in that role. Because of that, knowing there's a draft coming up, if it was me, I would have waited. But they did write him off NXT television with the fight pit. So really, once you do that, what else are you going to do? Unless you're going to have him sit out for a number of months. And there's no reason to have someone like Matt Riddle sit out for a number of months. So with that said, we are going to jump into our NXT TakeOver 30 Ultimate Preview. There are now officially six matches on the main card, along with a kickoff show match. And I have a sneaking suspicion we may get a seventh match on the main card, giving us eight overall, but I do not know that for sure. I'm going to operate as if we're getting that extra match. And hey, worst case scenario, I talked a lot and it didn't happen and it'll be a preview for when that, whenever that match eventually happens. Let's start with the kickoff show match. Tag team championship number one contender match, Legato Del Fantasma versus Brizango versus Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. And this kind of came up after we had a six-man tag team match Wednesday night on NXT where Legato Del Fantasma beat Brizango and Isaiah Swerve Scott. This was a really good athletic match. Six quality wrestlers all going at the same time. I absolutely loved the finish. Escobar getting drop kicked on the back of his head while Swerve knocked Tyler Breeze off the ring apron as Breeze simultaneously made the tag. It gave Swerve the kind of umph of beating Escobar with his JML driver without the actual win. It made sense for him to get knocked out with that sick double drop kick to the head. And then the end of the match gave the champion in Escobar the real win as he hit Breeze with his finisher, the Phantom Driver. So that match was booked incredibly well. And it did get me more excited than I otherwise would have been for this number one contendership match. It's a, you know, triple threat, basically. Six man, six men. I don't know what they're going to do. We obviously always know how this goes. You can do three guys in the ring at once, all able to tag their partners or only two people in the ring at any given time. And teams have to get tagged in to be legal. I assume they're going to go with the true triple threat version of this. And those are the type of tag team matches I really like. But as we've discussed on this show numerous times, the NXT tag team division right now is wrecked. And I don't know why some of these teams, Brizongo in particular, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch as well, keep getting opportunities when all they're doing is losing. There is just another one of these number one contendership matches. And I believe... The only difference was that Undisputed Era was in the Legato Del Fantasma spot. They won, they got a match, and they didn't retain. Brizongo just lost, yet they're getting this opportunity. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch have both gotten their asses kicked in matches, I think with Timothy Thatcher and Karrion Kross, but they're in this match. So I don't exactly know why anyone here deserves the opportunity other than Legato Del Fantasma. The problem being, your NXT Tag Team Champions in Imperium are heels, Legato Del Fantasma are heels. So again, I don't know what we're doing here. My assumption is going to be that Brazongo is going to win and get that number one contendership. But again, even a Brazongo match against Imperium doesn't particularly get me excited. Since they've come back to NXT, Breeze and Fandango are basically consistent losers. So I don't know what the goal is, but if they are somehow able to take the titles off Imperium... I guess that would maybe kick the tag team division in another direction, but NXT needs to figure some things out. They need to get some new tag teams together and they got to make this division as great as it once used to be because right now it is nowhere 
near it. As far as the match that I think we might see that is not booked as of this taping, let me start with a DM slide here. And it comes from Mantis Toboggan at McCoy1108. He writes, as of now, there are four matches on the main card, which is smaller than the usual five. He wrote this before they added the match. I guess there's actually five on the main card, not six. So I actually got that wrong a moment ago. But anyway, uh, what one other storyline that they have been building would you like to see added? So what they did, what NXT has done, they added Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher really just a couple hours before I taped this show. And I was surprised that they included that, but didn't include the match I'm about to mention, which I feel like may potentially get added as the sixth main card match and seventh overall match on the show. And that is the Cruiserweight Championship between Santos Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott. I'm sitting here thinking, after NXT went off the air, after they announced Balor versus Thatcher, how the hell do you have NXT TakeOver 30 and not put the Cruiserweight title on the line when you're already not having a tag team title match? Santos Escobar and Swerve, if given this opportunity, would have a chance to steal the show. This is a huge takeover on SummerSlam weekend. It's the 30th edition. It can stand being the full three hours or three hours and 15 minutes, extending it a little bit longer. A lot of takeovers really only hit that two and a half hour mark, but you've built so many quality storylines with the potential for so many great matches. This one should should be on it. Perhaps normally NXT might save this match and potentially put it on television as a draw, but they're not going against any competition for either of the next two weeks. So saving it wouldn't make any sense. It would be a huge mistake, in my opinion, if they don't end up putting Escobar and Swerve on the card. So let's assume that they're going to. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. If they do, here's my prediction. Anyone who listens to this show knows there is no bigger fan of Swerve and probably no bigger fan of Santos Escobar than yours truly. Both have huge futures in NXT and WWE as a whole. So with Escobar just having won the title and being the leader of a new strong group, there's really little reason for him to drop it here. I would prefer they don't give us, you know, a fake out type of finish or have some type of schmaz where Legato interferes. I expect if this match happens, that is the direction they will go. Swerve is really strong. I'm excited for him long-term. I actually like him so much. I even like what he's doing in Raw Underground. I think he's adding a nice element. I wish they would focus on him a little bit more in there. But Escobar should be coming out on top if they have this match. He needs to retain. I just love what he's doing with the Cruiserweight title right now. And I love what they are doing, building Santos Escobar and Legado Del Fantasma. Next up, the women's championship match. Io Shirai defending against Dakota Kai. Normally, I would talk about this a little later down the card. But this really hasn't been built as well or made to look as important as the North American Championship ladder match, which we will discuss Next, on NXT Wednesday, you saw Dakota Kai defeat Jesse Kamia. And before we get to the aftermath of this match, I actually thought this was poorly booked. Kai is the number one contender for the women's title. It took her far too long to beat Kamia, who's basically the new equivalent of what Aaliyah used to be. She's been there four years, never really done anything of significance. Dakota Kai should have beaten her in like two and a half minutes, hit her finisher, the GTK, and just moved on. As far as the post-match goes, I really liked Kai's promo, and obviously it was a fantastic decision to bring back Raquel Gonzalez here as a surprise. Puts Kai over as a heel and a legitimate threat. 
But I do wish they had doubled down on that with the match where she was really strong winning on her own. Io Shirai shows up. She gets even stronger because, oh my God, yeah, she has Raquel Gonzalez. So NXT has not really had a long reigning women's champion since Shayna Baszler in 2018. And for me, it's far too soon to take the title off Shirai. There's plenty of challengers on the roster for her still, especially since she's in this tweener role so she can fight heels and faces. As I mentioned earlier, if I was booking, I would definitely have Io Shirai retain here. I would most likely then build up Candice LeRae to be her, her next heel challenger, have LeRae beat Tegan Knox, maybe have Knox and Kai go at it again. Eventually Knox wins that feud and then Knox gets her opportunity at the title. That's how I would book it. But I think there's a lot on this show I'm not 100% sure how they're going to book. They've done a really good job of making it so most of these matches can go either way. In the, in the case of the North American ladder match, I could see four potential people that they could have winning it out of the five. But this one should be pretty clear and it should be Io Shirai coming out on top. North American Championship ladder match is now complete. Bronson Reed against Cameron Grimes, against Damian Priest, against Johnny Gargano, against Velveteen Dream. So let's talk about what happened Wednesday, and then we'll talk about the match itself. Johnny Gargano against Ridge Holland. That match was a lot of fun considering the size differential, and Gargano worked really hard to put Holland over. NXT actually taped this match twice because of the injury that happened in the middle. I was surprised because of that to see they left it in. I guess because Gargano was okay, they decided it was relevant to how he sold the rest of the match. He sold the neck really through the finish, but that was really gruesome. I'm glad he's okay. I know Gargano's more of a Marvel guy, but the dude must be like the Man of Steel or something to come out of that without an injury. It actually helped Holland in the end, looking strong, and Gargano winning via some interference from Candice LeRae really was the right call. They've done a good job to make Holland look like a real threat in just two matches on real NXT or American NXT, I should say. So I'm very excited to see what his future is because he has a good name, a good build, um, and he works pretty decently in the ring. So if they can get the promo together and they can give this guy the total package, he could have a very long-term future in WWE. In the second match, that main event at NXT, you saw Velveteen Dream defeat Finn Balor. There was some good action in this match with Balor and Dream working incredibly well together, but I would have much rather seen a clean or at least cleaner finish here from NXT, which is more of a pure wrestling show than what we got. This felt very much like a WWE main roster booking and finish to this match with everyone hitting signature moves, taking one another out. Why did everyone feel the need to get involved in this match, but not the opening match? Was it just because Cameron Grimes was the first one to come out and everyone followed suit? Once he was taken out of the match, why did everyone else need to get involved? So I'm not exactly sure why they went in that direction. Balor did not need to be in the North American Championship ladder match. So I guess in theory, Dream winning was the right booking because of the match that they ended up booking, which we'll talk about in a moment. But to say that Dream coming back um, being in back-to-back NXT main events and now being in this match. To say anything of it, it's problematic at a minimum. We discussed why last week, so I'm not going to revisit the entire thing I said last week. Again, this week we're trying to preview NXT TakeOver 30. But when it comes to predicting the match, a guy that you just turned heel that has a slightly different look 
you kind of think that's the direction they might go. For me, I don't think that's the right decision. And even if it was the booking previously, they probably now need to go in a different direction. Um, I also don't think Johnny Gargano should be taking the North American title. He doesn't need it, doesn't do anything for him, doesn't help his character, completely unnecessary. What they had had been doing in the first three triple threat matches in the build to this ladder match was attempting to put over newer talent or talent that hasn't gotten major pushes since joining NXT. As such, really, it should be Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, or Damian Priest, and any of those three that they choose, ultimately, I'll be happy. Bronson Reed has been winning a lot. So in ring, he's been deserving it. Cameron Grimes, they've done the most character work, I guess you could say, with him, where they're allowing him to show more personality than he has to this point. So that is a reason why you think it might be him. Damian Priest may be the best one to actually uh, carry the championship as the next champion, especially considering Keith Lee was the last one to have it. So do you put it on a smaller guy like Grimes, who is really good in the ring, but might be a little bit might be a little bit more character driven with the title? Do you go with Bronson Reed, who is maybe more of an up and comer among those three, even though as Jonah Rock in Australia, he was a big name, people really liked him. But to the NXT audience, he's a little bit newer. Do you go with that? Or do you go with the more established of the three, Damian Priest, the former Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor? And do you just kind of have him take the title and establish it again as a very strong mid-card championship? I don't know the direction they're going to go. If I had to make a prediction, I'm going to go with Bronson Reed. I think most people believe Cameron Grimes is going to come out as the new North American champion. Three more matches left here, but we'll go right to Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher because that match was made coming out of the booking for the North American Championship. And I also got a DM that basically leads me to talk about it next. This one coming from Atish Tawari at Atish911. He says, hey, Adam, who do you think is the most underutilized star on the NXT roster? And the answer is Finn Balor, because for being such a big deal and such a popular superstar in WWE and NXT combined, Balor has not been overly successful since returning to NXT. He didn't need to be in the North American Championship ladder match, but he's also 12-5 and since joining NXT over 10 months ago, with few of those wins coming on NXT UK. Now he gets a takeover match against Timothy Thatcher, That should be a banger, don't get me wrong. This one will bang. But it also doesn't have anything on the line. At least they gave us a storyline build. Obviously, Balor hit the 1916 after the triple threat match a few weeks ago, and then Thatcher attacked Balor Wednesday night, setting up this match. So there is reason from a storytelling perspective for having it. I guess this will be an okay booking in my mind as long as Balor wins. But I don't see why they would book Balor to be the guy that they're building like they are Thatcher. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll predict Balor to win because I hope I'm wrong about all of this. But it is tough to see what the answer is for him long-term in NXT. This draft is coming up. Maybe this is a scenario where, look, he's had 10 months in NXT now. He will have a year by the time the draft happens. Maybe he is refreshed enough where you can bring him back to Raw or SmackDown, especially knowing that for the foreseeable future, they will be emanating from Orlando where he lives. So you can get him back on a big show without having to do all the traveling and wrestling 
and some of the booking that wore him down while he was on Raw for such a extended period of time. But those shows, Raw in particular, we've mentioned it, they need legitimate main eventers right now. There's a lot of people out of action and not competing. He can be that. He can be a main event challenger. He can be a main event champion. He can be a very strong mid-card champion as well. So the NXT move revitalized his character. He got some of his personality, some of his grit back. He feels revitalized. To me, it is now time to move Finn Balor into the main roster. And if you're gonna do that and you want him to lose to Timothy Thatcher here, I'm okay with it. Otherwise, Balor should be winning this match. Thatcher can take it. He's still looking strong. He's got a ton of wins under his belt recently and he still has the victory over Matt Riddle in the fight pit. Next up, Adam Cole against Pat McAfee. And I really hope NXT understands what its fans want because as excited as I am for this match, and I am very excited, they have built this incredibly well. The main event of TakeOver 30 needs to be Keith Lee against Karrion Cross. You have to put on a wrestling show a true 100% wrestling match for your main title in the main event. I know Pat McAfee's an attraction. It's not for a title. He does not need to be in that spot. On Wednesday, you saw former Colts teammates and NFL stars, AJ Hawk and Darius Butler join McAfee and walk him to the ring. And this son of a bitch cuts an absolute fire heel promo. I mean, he nailed every single point. The line about how he's made a million dollars in seven different professions and wrestling is gonna be the eighth if Adam Cole doesn't watch it. It was absolutely fantastic. So good, in fact, I cut a portion of it and we're gonna listen to it before I continue. Last week, you go on this entire rant about how you were being held back, that I took advantage of a situation, blah, blah, blah. I outsmarted you in your own house. In your own business, I outsmarted you. Then you went on an entire, you suck. Then you went on an entire rant about how I'm not special. Not special. You're the longest reigning NXT champ. You've wrestled all around this globe. You've wrestled in front of five people at armories, bingo halls, high schools, Japan, all over the world. And you got to here and you were the biggest star in this brand. What'd you call yourself? The king of NXT? You had all these people fooled. 400 and some days you were undefeated. Took me a minute and a half to knock your ass out. One minute, knock your ass out. One swing of this foot. Done. Then you call me not special. How's that not special? I've never been in this ring before. Made you look amateur. I've made a million dollars in seven different professions. And you, especially you, stupid you, mustache stooge, in the ignorant wrestling community at home, you better hope that I don't stick with this profession because this will be number eight if I want to. And on Saturday, Saturday, it's gonna end the same exact way that it ended two weeks ago. You're gonna be left unconscious after probably throwing a temper tantrum, after losing your mind, after losing your cool, because you and I are different level humans. You only gave me two weeks to train for this match, two weeks. 
Triple H gets on ESPN, the cerebral assassin who kicked me out, who says, well, Pat wants to be tough, I can make him famous. Two weeks is all I'm going to need to beat you. And you're going to have to explain to the entire wrestling community how you lost to an outsider. Let me tell you how you lost to an outsider. Because you're great. In this world you are. But I am next level. I am above you as a human. I am above you as an athlete. And on Saturday, it's going to end with one swing of his foot meeting your face, sending it to the moon in the only sound that any of these idiots in here and anybody at home will hear is boom. I mean, come on. That is an expert level heel promo. Took you through the entire story, provided his perspective in a clear manner, made his case for being better than Adam Cole and explained why he was going to ultimately win the match. Was it a tad repetitive at times? Yes, but this is extemporaneous speaking. You know, this guy is used to being on the radio. You know who else repeats himself all the time? Me, the Silver King. I'll tell you why I love a match or why I love a superstar. And in a three or four minute diatribe, I'll probably repeat myself two or three times. That's how it goes when you're when you're speaking off the cuff. So I'm okay with that from McAfee. But this was as good a promo as most, except the absolute best, can cut in wrestling without a script. So he deserves a lot of credit for the job he did on Wednesday night. We have Brian Owens at Owens11B writing in. He said, so that McAfee promo was fire tonight. Do you think he could be one of the greats in promo work if he was in WWE full-time? I'll say this. If he was utilizing this skill set every single week and honing his chops during house shows and live events, yes, I do think he could be one of the all-time great promos in WWE. The thing is, he's not going to be doing that. And even if he does end up wrestling twice or three times a year for NXT, if they figure out a way to make him an attraction for the brand, no pun intended, by the way, for those that listen to Pat McAfee's show, uh, if, if they do figure out a way to do that, I don't think he will have the chops and have enough opportunity to really reach that level. But look, there is no question at what he gave us on Wednesday night. It sold him, it sold the match. And if you didn't get excited for that before, if you were not excited for Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee for how they kind of ended NXT a couple of weeks ago and how they've promoted this throughout the media, hopefully this got you fired up. I also loved how Adam Cole sat back confidently, let McAfee talk crap only to then kick the shit out of all those security guards and stun McAfee and then stride up to him and basically just say, I'm gonna kick your ass and you're a bitch. So we already saw Cole get pissy. It made sense for him to have been cooled down and remember his experience and skill. Also, a little bit of extra credit, I don't have the sound clip, to whoever the Performance Center talent was that yelled wide left when McAfee threw the mic at Adam Cole and missed and it bounced to his left. I thought that was hysterical. So really good on you for doing that. As far as a prediction for this match, it really can go a couple ways. Um, If you're gonna go straight up and not worry about interference and these two are gonna wrestle and someone's gonna win, it absolutely has to be Adam Cole winning. No question. I don't know how you get out of this without your longest reigning NXT champion beating a guy who's legitimately wrestling his first match ever. 
and as he's put over, doing so in 12 days. The only way I could see McAfee winning this match is if they decide to break up Undisputed Era because Kyle O'Reilly was pretty pissed at Adam Cole for the way that match finished, how you know Cole ended up taking the pinfall. Not only that, but Cole you know ruined their NXT Tag Team Championship opportunity for a ego-driven feud, something that was affecting him personally and not affecting the group. All of this while Roderick Strong was trying to calm him down and get him focused. You know, I mentioned it about, I forgot when it was in particular, but I believed Undisputed Era about a year ago or so was going to turn on Adam Cole, but then it looked as if Bobby Fish had gotten injured again, and that may have changed NXT's plans for that match. And I'm forgetting the exact takeover. There's been so many, hey, there's been 30 that they're running together a little bit for me, but due to injury, due to the way things were being booked and it seemed like plans were going, it felt to me as if they changed plans and decided not to break up Undisputed Era. If they are deciding to break up Undisputed Era here, I could see a scenario in which Kyle O'Reilly in particular turns on Adam Cole and that results in him losing the match. Or Undisputed Era comes out to help him, maybe fails, Cole yells at them after losing the match and then they turn on him. I don't like this idea. I want to preface, uh, you know, I want to preface my conclusion here by saying that. I think Undisputed Era should stay together. I think Undisputed Era should move up to the main roster. But if you're not going to do that, if these guys want to stay in NXT and you want to keep them in NXT, there's nowhere else for them to go. They've already won all the gold. They've already done feuds with all the major superstars. The only other thing you can do is break them up and have Adam Cole finally fight Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong. So we'll see what they end up booking. I have to believe Adam Cole is going to ultimately win, but Pat McAfee is going to look really strong in the match. Just be warned, if he doesn't win, I'm giving you an additional prediction, two for one here. If he doesn't win, it will be because Undisputed Era turns or costs Adam Cole the victory. Now, moving into the main event, Keith Lee defending the NXT Championship against Karrion Cross. Oh my God, I am excited for this match. On the Go Home Show, NXT ran a four-minute promo video that was absolutely brilliant. Look, I'm not going to compare it to the My Way promo, which was The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin had of WrestleMania 17. But this was pretty damn close. I mean, it, it was so good that I actually watched it a second time before I moved on with my Wednesday night. NXT ended, I rewound to watch the promo a second time. It showcased Keith Lee as a conquering hero, juxtaposed with Karrion Cross as a cold, calculating villain. It was a great rundown of their recent successes, all tracked by Metallica's Frantic. Not a huge hard rock or heavy metal guy, but I love and respect Metallica, and this was an absolutely perfect song to use for this promo. It was almost like a movie trailer. I could not help but be a little bit disappointed we did not see either of them in person ahead of a main event TakeOver 30 on SummerSlam weekend. This is a main event match for the 30th TakeOver on WWE's second biggest weekend of the year. I just felt like these guys should have been on TV, even if it was cutting pre-taped promos. Seeing them live and not only part of a video package would have done something for me. 
in terms of a prediction for this match, and you're going to hear, by the way, Keith Lee talk about it momentarily in my exclusive 20-minute interview with him. But Keith Lee is the first double champion. Will he have the second shortest title reign in NXT championship history? It would make Karrion Cross look incredibly strong to beat Lee. But there's also no other top-level faces on NXT right now to combat him where you see a path to eventual feud resolution. If Lee loses, he can't remain in NXT, considering what WWE has already done with him at Survivor Series and Royal Rumble. If you pull Lee out of NXT, you're further depleting the main event scene that was already dinged by two years of being controlled basically by the same group of three to five contenders. It was the same matches, the same people, all feuding together for an extended period of time. To me, it feels like Keith Lee and Karrion Cross are finally getting this huge opportunity to shine as new main eventers on a big stage. I don't know what the answer is here. If it's me making the booking, I am allowing Keith Lee, again, the first double champion who would otherwise have the second shortest reign in NXT history behind only Samoa Joe, who ended up losing the title and jumping to the main roster. He'd have the second shortest reign in history. If it's me, I am having Keith Lee retain the championship here. Cross has looked incredibly strong to this point. Losing to Keith Lee is not suddenly going to ruin that by any means. Meanwhile, Lee has been built up so strong where if he loses in his first legitimate title defense at a takeover, it kind of dings this guy. And if you're going to bring him into the main roster coming off of the experience he had with Roman Reigns and the face-to-face he had with Brock Lesnar, but coming off a loss to Karrion Cross, rhyming not intentional there, I kind of feel like it weakens him a little bit. Sort of what they did to Rhea Ripley, where she had that big crowning moment. She lost then to Charlotte at WrestleMania and never even won it back. If they wanted to have her beat Charlotte for the title again, that would have made sense. She suffered a loss, figured out a way to scratch and claw and get back to it. And I guess if NXT, I'm talking myself into it a little bit, if NXT decides to keep Keith Lee down there and have him wait and maybe he wins the title back at Royal Rumble weekend, I guess I could potentially buy that. But then again, this is a guy who you want to move up to the main roster anyway. So even if he wins at Royal Rumble weekend, are you then going to have him lose it a couple months later, WrestleMania weekend, and then call him up to the main roster? I don't know. Ultimately, I am going to go with Keith Lee retaining the title, figuring out a way that It doesn't hurt Cross in a major way. And maybe we even get a rematch somehow between these two six weeks from now in the main event of an NXT TV show. And at that point, they have Cross win. Maybe a ratings grab, maybe just a really good television match. I think it's a little bit too early for Lee to win the title. He is going to retain. And I think that would be music to his ears because he is our guest here today on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to Keith Lee on the other side of this. Thrilled to welcome to the show the NXT champion, the limitless one, Keith Lee. Keith will be defending the NXT championship this Saturday against Karrion Cross in the main event of NXT TakeOver 30, and you can catch it all live at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. Keith, absolutely a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Well, thank you for having me. It's quite the pleasure to be invited. 
Absolutely. Now, you have been front and center in the lives of professional wrestling fans in so many different ways over the last 10 or so months. What has this time period been like for you reaching the pinnacle of maybe your career, but definitely the NXT brand becoming the first double champion in history and now holding the world title going into the 30th takeover? Mm, I would say that it's been a memorable time frame and enjoyable uh, by all by all standards set forth. I've enjoyed my time and I am making the most of it and trying to reach as many people as possible in everything that I do. So yeah, it's, it's been impactful and, and it's meant a lot. Is it strange for you to be experiencing this without that almost call and response from the fans? You know, normally when you win the title, it's you got you got the confetti and you got a big moment, but you didn't necessarily get that ovation that you might hear at a takeover or even at an NXT television show taping. First of all, I want to thank you for not mentioning the fact that the confetti stuck to me because of how much I sweat. <laughs> um, but I, I would say this, man. Like, yeah, it's it's tough coming out of Royal Rumble and, and 42,000 people are screaming and cheering for you and and then returning and having a little bit of time with the fans before a pandemic hits and all that jazz. But here's one thing that I feel. Um, that connection with the universe, I feel, is still there. I don't know why I feel that, but I feel that. So while they're not there to audibly express their approval and their adulation and appreciation and all those things, um, I feel like they're still there. Their eyes are on me and they're appreciating what they're seeing still. And for me, that's enough. The circumstances are what they are and we're making the most of them. That's all I can do. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's very similar to what Drew McIntyre said. It's, he's like, you know what? I don't hear it, but I still feel it. And I guess ultimately that is what's most important. This all came down for you after a pretty long stretch after you joined NXT of either not being on TV, having momentum slowed and then started again. It was really like an 18 month period. And I know there was an injury involved in there, especially uh, as the feud with uh, Dominic Dijakovic was leading up to actually happening the first time. How frustrated were you during that time? When you signed with WWE and NXT, there was a lot of excitement, but it did take an extended period of time for you to really get that opportunity that you're now capitalizing upon. Um, I would say that I am almost grateful for that time because of how much I learned and grew. I feel like, yes, at any point in time, I could have broken loose. Um, but there's something special about when the, when the leash is off and you get to go just do what you want to do, be who you are and do it your way. And I think that any time that myself and a Dijak steps in a ring, no one really has a choice in what's coming out because of who we are and how we compete against one another and the, the level of competition that exists, the level of intensity. All those things are factors. And I think that a lot of the audience understood, felt, 
the 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 feelings that we have, the passion that we have, the um, the will power that we have to make a statement, and they embraced it, and that allowed growth for both of us. So it's it's a lot of appreciation. Yeah, no question. And that growth and appreciation was certainly felt when you got that opportunity. And for lack of a better term, on the quote unquote main roster on Raw and SmackDown, maybe the traditional shows of WWE. Back in November, NXT guys, you front and center invaded SmackDown. And then obviously you had that first big moment at Survivor Series eliminating Seth Rollins and the showdown with Roman Reigns. And I know you've been asked about it a lot and you've discussed it numerous times over the last few months. What I'm kind of curious is, I know the moment was big in the ring. I know you felt the gravity of it. When you got backstage, what was the reception like from your peers, maybe even Vince McMahon, about the job that you did and how you were received in that moment? In the Survivor Series? Yeah, Survivor Series. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, um, that was a lot, man, because... Yeah, obviously there was war games the night before and we had just gone through a brutal match and you know <laughs> before war games we didn't know who was going to be on NXT Survivor Series team and I think that a lot of it came down um to well let's see who's healthy right, <laughs> after right. this ridiculous war games match happens and you know, that, that match started coming down to things, and, and I don't think that it really hit me that I was in a ring with those last two guys until I stood up and realized, because I, I'm not even sure if I remember what happened prior to that, but something happened that rocked me on the outside, and I was down. And then I got up, and there's Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, and I'm like, oh, well, they're standing side by side. I guess like, this is about to be a fight. Um, I think that when that was said and done, man, it was such a wild reception, not just from the universe, because no one really expects that when you're standing in the ring with those two guys. But... I think the people backstage were just as surprised to be honest with you, man. Mm -hmm. I don't think that people really understand the connection that myself and uh, our fans have. And that's something I'm kind of grateful for because I don't want people to really understand that. Like I, th I want that to be our thing, like our special thing. The, other, the, the guys in the back don't need to understand it. Just understand that it is and it exists. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned earlier, you really felt that a few months later at the Royal Rumble. And I don't think it was just so much you going head-to-head, face-to-face with Brock Lesnar, but the way Brock, you know, for lack of a better term, put you over as you made your entrance, it felt to me as a fan, as someone watching, he made the audience know you were a big deal before you even got into the ring. And as someone who has been wrestling for 15 years. And at one point I was reading an old interview, doubted whether you made the right decision. What did Brock specifically doing that, what did that mean for you? And did you ever have a chance to kind of talk to him afterward about it? So no, I didn't have a chance to talk to him. I really wish that I could have, because uh, honestly, man, a lot of people have 
made gifts and memes and all sorts of things <laughs> about that. Right. But the reality is, I don't even think Brock realizes what he did. But his reaction is more than enough just because of who he is. And I think that he had an appreciation that there was another large athlete. And it was also a mixture of the fact that we were in Texas, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And you got a guy that can match up to him in terms of size. Uh, and we're both kind of freak athletes. So the it's just the culmination of everything made that special. I really wish I could have spoken with him because even though, you know, he got the better of things with Stroman deciding to focus on me and, and, and jumping in on that, I, I would like to say, hey, man, you don't know what you did, but I, I just need to thank you, and I hope that one day we get to knock each other's blocks off in a one-on-one -on -one battle. Yeah, I think that from the, the Roman Reigns interaction and from the Brock Lesnar interaction, it was, they were both big in the moment, but for fans, it was also, hopefully for them, previews of what they want to see in the future. And that is obviously only as positive as things can be. Now, you're having all of this success now. You're at the top of NXT. But you've also taken this opportunity to use the platform you have and the growing stardom that you've kind of amassed to address a couple things recently, the Black Lives Matter movement and the Speaking Out movement as well. And I think fans got the opportunity through you doing that to learn a lot about the type of person you are where your strength comes from, and what your life experience has been. Why did you feel that this time was the right time for you to speak out about those things? Well, typically, as most people know me, I tend to keep the, uh, for lack of better terms, political opinions to myself. But as a person who has undergone the profiling a plethora of times in my life and mistreatment at, at several moments or seeing people around me experience those things or, I don't know, being out with my white friends and being the one guy singled out. Like, in those moments, a lot of the things that have been going on recently have resonated with me and I just felt like, listen, I'm not sure what it's going to take I'm not here to, you know, make some sort of agenda. I just want people to be equal. That's all I want. And I think that trying to have a bit of understanding and a bit of compassion and a bit of care would be nice. You, you look at the internet and it's a oftentimes absolutely negative wasteland where miserable people, miserable people join up together and just pile on other people. Or people feel cool when they get to gang up on one person and everyone feels powerful because they're behind these screens when they're not things that they would do in a person's face ever. So with that being said, I try to be a person that promotes positivity and a person that promotes equality and that being said for talking about the speaking out movement it's simple man you you, you watch some of those things happen and it's heartbreaking to read mm -hmm. here's what i understand 
I am a person <clears throat> that has read several books, done a lot of meditation, and educated myself on myself. Not everyone has the mental capacity to move past things of that sort. Mm -hmm. So for the people out there that are experiencing that, or the dudes out there <clears throat> who may have experienced it and, and too afraid to share their story or let it go, because sometimes what it takes is telling your story, giving it to the public or a friend or a family member, letting them share that story with you and then leaving it there in that conversation. I have never told that story to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it was about, and there's a reason I also prefaced it with saying, you know, not in spite of, not to cause harm, just to uplift because there are also people out there who use the speaking out movement for fallacy right. and to damage somebody that they're just angry with. So I needed to put it out there to understand, yes, this happens to guys. Yes, you can be strong enough to share it. And then I left it right there. That's for the people and it's to uplift them. I'm past my pain, man. I just never talked about it because I never felt the need to. I just meditated myself out of the woes of it. I appreciate you, you know, sharing that insight and your mindset because I know a lot of people were really taken um, positively by you sharing those things. But you know, not that you need to ever follow up on something like that. But I think they had some questions about, you know, how difficult was it for him to go through that. So I really appreciate you kind of uh, sharing that and breaking it down for me. Uh, now coming up. We'll go back. We'll go back to wrestling. We'll make this fun on the, on the finish here. Uh, Saturday, NXT Takeover 30. You're facing Karrion Cross in another real heavyweight type of match for you, and you seem to have, you know, incredible success putting on great matches with guys of all different sizes. But do you particularly look forward to getting into, for lack of a better term, other Hoss fights, guys like Dijak and Damian Priest and Karrion Cross? Does this bring out the type of is this type of challenger, does it bring out the best of you, perhaps? I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know much about Cross. I know about guys like Priest. I know about guys like Ty Jack. I know if I had ever had a match against Bronson Reed, it would have been a banger. I know right. that for <laughs> certain because I know what he's about. But Cross is an outlier, man. Like He's somebody I would describe as chosen, and. You can say this is fun on the on the outtake all you want, but at the end of the day, this is not fun for me, man. It's not cool that we all of a sudden have a fire mage in NXT. It's not cool <laughs> that my fire resistance of rank nine isn't enough because they got people casting fireball rank 13 at me. Like, none of that's fun to me. This isn't about a fight anymore because this guy, I gave him ample opportunity to come and face it. I've invited him. In the same way I invited Dijak, and Dijak was like, cool, let's fight. Let's have a competitive battle. I've invited this guy. You can earn your opportunity right now. And no matter how many times I try and invite him or I go out to see him, the guy will not stand face-to-face -face with me. So that should tell you all you need to know about this guy. This isn't about fun anymore. This is about the fact that there's a guy who's got a fire mage, Sure, he's tenacious, he's tough, he's strong, he's powerful, uh, and he's beaten a lot of people. Granted, with Dijak, he had a, he had a, he had a major struggle 
and it took him kicking stairs into his head to even gain the upper hand because Dijak was beating the crap out of him. But we're in a position now where, for me, this is about making a statement. This is about letting him know for everything that you've done and for all the people that you fought up until now, you've never seen, experienced, felt, endured anything like Keith Lee. And I promise you, when it's all said and done, he's going to know exactly what he was in the ring with. Because he may be something special. He may be a chosen one. But he is not me. I am the NXT champion. And that's, at the end of the day, that is the end of the argument. Absolutely. And you will be able to watch that match on Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern, NXT Take over 30 on the WWE Network. Keith, one more question, and I'll get you out of here on this. To me, you are one of the most unique wrestlers in WWE history, in wrestling history, honestly, but definitely in WWE history in terms of what you bring to the table, the power, the athleticism, the charisma, the confidence, as you have exuded throughout this interview. But we're basically the same age, man. And I know when I get out of bed in the morning, I start to feel it. The bones hurt. The body hurts. You have been playing football and wrestling for about 20 years, the wear on tear of your body, have you started to give any thought to, hey, over the next year or two, am I going to have to start toning down some of what I do in the ring and figuring out a way to preserve long-term? I think that I've toned down a lot since I've been in WWE personally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can credit that to Mr. Terry Taylor as he has informed me that, hey, Mr. Lee, you are a specimen. You are basically untouchable. You don't need to show off. Just beat the crap out of people. And so I spend more of my time throwing people around and, and things of that sort, or, or, or if they're jumping at me, catching them, and then throwing them around. <laughs> it just it depends. But I generally, most cases will not pull out aerial tactics unless I feel like there's a need to. And there aren't a lot of people that can push me to that. I also don't believe that Karrion Cross is one because he is going to get a fight, not a competitive wrestling match. So we'll see what happens, but chances are he's going to endure something more brutal than most people have thus far. You will be able to see that match this Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network as NXT presents TakeOver 30, the 30th edition of its major event series. Keith, thanks again for joining me on the show. Really appreciate you giving me the time, and best of luck on Saturday. Thank you, good sir. I appreciate you having me. So thankful to have Keith Lee join us. Just an incredibly insightful guy. So thrilled at the success that he's had recently, his willingness to kind of get into some of the things that have transpired over his last 10 months in WWE and NXT. Just an absolute pleasure to speak to him and an absolute pleasure to break down NXT TakeOver 30 with all of you. I am extremely excited for the show, which again will air Saturday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. The kickoff show does begin one hour early at 6 p.m. Eastern. A reminder... If you have not listened to it already, we have our WWE SummerSlam Ultimate Preview waiting for you in our feed. So be sure to go and listen to that 
Don't forget, Sunday, immediately after SummerSlam, is off the air. We will have instant analysis from both WWE SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 30. Very excited to bring you that show. It will be published late Sunday night or very early Monday morning, depending on when we finish, depending on how much there is to talk about. And then coming up next week on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, we will have four episodes for you. Raw and AEW Dynamite on Tuesday, NXT and AEW Dynamite on Thursday, a WWE Payback Ultimate Preview on Saturday, and then WWE Payback Instant Analysis on Sunday. Absolutely loaded two weeks of professional wrestling, and I thank all of you for being with me along for the ride. Please don't forget to follow the show at Getting Overcast on Twitter. And don't forget to follow me personally at Silverspoon Adam. But even more important than both of those, I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you did, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Every single review you leave for this show helps us in the long run. Thank you once again for listening. No time for goodbyes today. I will speak to you all Sunday night after SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver 30. Only have three words left for you. Bye for now.